outside the box, making sure no one is left out. Today's topic is excluded. In case you've not been paying attention, house prices have skyrocketed. We bought our house in 2015, and it's now valued by realtors two to three times what we paid for it then. It means that hardly anyone without a solid and dependable middle-class income can afford to buy a house these days. High interest rates in the name of tamping down inflation don't help. Neither does a lack of affordable housing for both renters and buyers, leaving many to camp out, live with relatives or friends, and couch surf. And many communities require builders of new homes to follow local ordinances, such as a minimum lot size and square footage for only single-family stick-built homes. Author Richard Kallenberg looks at this last issue in the book entitled Excluded. Sales agreements used to have discriminatory clauses that prevented white homeowners or builders from selling to black people. Those were eventually declared illegal. But then individual and community prejudices evolved by using class and income rather than skin color through zoning ordinances to keep out lower income people. That included most people of color, especially from suburban neighborhoods. Most new housing construction is limited to single-family dwellings on large lots. Mobile homes and duplex and triplex units may be banned, and affordable housing such as accessory dwelling units, ADUs, or tiny houses are strongly discouraged. Redlining, where blacks could only live or buy a house in certain areas, has become what I would call greenlining, where only those with enough cash could, and still can, afford houses in some areas. When neighborhoods and towns are income segregated, tax bases may be limited. Governments may invest less in those neighborhoods or communities. Schools and public services tend to be either very good or very bad, based on the income of residents and tax money raised. Rather than metropolitan areas with many mixed income and diverse residents and neighborhoods, most areas and communities continue to be segregated, either wealthy enclaves or ghettos. What should we do to create more diverse communities, school systems, and affordable housing? According to Kallenberg, we can start by getting rid of local restrictive ordinances that limit housing to usually more expensive kinds that limit who can own or build a home. In 1970, the average home price was 1.7 times a household's annual income. Now it's 4.4 times as much. We can stop pretending there is no bias when we know it exists as economic discrimination, still legal in most situations. However, in some European countries, economic discrimination is not legal and zoning that keeps out lower-income people is not permitted either. NIMBYism, not in my backyard, is still very common in this country, both in liberal as well as conservative communities. 
We need to interrupt the vicious cycle that prevents a household from building or buying a new or existing home because they don't have sufficient savings. How will they ever gain adequate resources and assets if they can't develop equity by being able to own an initial home? Will we ever have cities where people of different economic backgrounds live side by side? Will we ever end housing segregation that creates school segregation, income segregation, and segregation by skin color? We can start by ending restrictive ordinances on a local level that prevent anyone who wants to own a home from buying or building that home anywhere they want to live. Mixed-income communities are more diverse, vibrant, and successful. When, When they're more ethnically and skin color diverse, they reduce racism and classism as well. Who can argue against that? Do you live in a more economically diverse area, or is it more homogeneous? Are there any local ordinances that discourage more economic diversity? I'm Larry Danzinger, lucky to live in a fairly economically diverse neighborhood.